Welcome to the podcast of Harvest Baptist Church in Harvest, Alabama. We invite you into our sanctuary as we dive into God's Word with our pastor, Dr. Al Peringer. Well, we're going to look in Jude this morning. Jude is that small book that's right in front of Revelation. And so we're going to look in there this morning. I am excited, though, that we are celebrating and being a part of D-Now, and I'm excited to make D-Now a part of our worship service today to share with the church what it is that these students have been learning this weekend, uh, because it's a very important message that is for everyone, because we live in a day and age when truth is under attack. We live in a day and age when truth is relativized. They're making truth relative. And we're, we're living in a day and age where Christians are swayed by the culture more than they are by God's Word. And that needs to change today for all of us. The theme of D-Now is rooted. The concept comes from Psalm number 1, where it tells us that the blessed person is the one who meditates day and night. He delights in the law of the Lord. He meditates day and night in that law. That's God's word. The law of the Lord is God's word. When you delight in God's word and you take in God's word and you meditate on God's word, you become rooted in your faith. You become rooted in the truth. As the psalmist says, you become like a tree that is firmly planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, its leaf does not wither, and in whatever you do, you prosper. So this is what it's saying. When you become rooted in the Word of God, you become rooted for life. Did you hear that? When you become rooted in the Word of God, you become rooted for for life, when your life is rooted in God's Word, you are not going to be influenced or conformed to the culture and the world. When your life is rooted in God's Word, you will not be tossed and turned by every event and circumstances that happens to come your way. You are firmly planted by streams of living water when you are rooted. But I need to give you a warning today. There are enemies that are out there in the world that are going to try and cut you off by the roots. Listen to me, youth. There are enemies out there that are going to try and cut you off at the roots. They don't want you rooted in truth and faith. And they know that if they're able to cut you off at the roots, they'll be able to deceive you, they'll be able to influence you, and eventually they'll be able to lead you astray and even destroy you. And so it is so important that you guard your roots. Guard your roots. The roots that you have established in God's Word, guard them. Because if you do not guard them, you will become vulnerable. If your roots are vulnerable, all of you is going to be vulnerable. And then you will topple, fall. It makes me think of something from years ago. At our first house in South Haven, Mississippi, we lived near a large park. I mean, for South Haven, it was a large park. And almost every weekday, we would drive through that park to get the kids to school. And one night, there was a large storm. And so then the next morning, we were driving through the park to get to school. And several 
large trees, I'm talking very large trees, were toppled over. And it made you wonder, why didn't the roots keep those big trees standing? Even when the storm came, why were they not standing? Why didn't the roots work? I mean, there could be several reasons. The roots may have been rotted. The roots may have been diseased. Bugs may have plagued the roots. The roots may have been tampered by man. Something happened to the roots, and they were no longer strong enough to keep the tree standing. And that's a warning to us. Yes, you know what? We may plant roots in God's Word, but that once we're there, that doesn't mean we just ignore them. Okay, I've planted some roots in the Word. Okay, I'm done. It's good. No. We have to constantly work at building the roots. We have to constantly work at feeding the roots. We have to constantly work at strengthening the roots. We have to guard the roots lest an enemy come or even some rot come some spiritual disease come, and then undo everything that we have built. We have to guard our roots. So the main idea for the message today is for us to know we are called to guard our roots of faith because there are enemies who threaten our foundation of truth. There are enemies who threaten our foundation. There are enemies who threaten our roots. We need to be rooted in the truth, which is God's Word. And so we want to learn about that today. I want to read from the book of Jude, verses 1 through 7. If you'll stand in reverence to the reading of God's Holy Word as I read these seven verses. And this is what Jude writes under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James to those who are called, beloved in God the Father and kept for Jesus Christ, may mercy, peace, and love be multiplied to you. Beloved, although I was very eager to write to you about our common salvation, I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. For certain people have crept in unnoticed who long ago were designated for this condemnation, ungodly people who pervert the grace of our God into sensuality and deny our only Master and Lord, Jesus Christ. Now I want to remind you, although you once fully knew it, that Jesus, who saved a people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed those who did not believe. And the angels who did not stay within their own position of authority but left their proper dwelling, he has kept in eternal chains under gloomy darkness until the judgment of the great day. Just as Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding cities, which likewise indulged in sexual immorality and pursued unnatural desire, serve as an example by undergoing a punishment of eternal fire. Let's pray. Our God in heaven, we are being warned, we are being told that this is so important. Yes, we need to build our roots. We need to be rooted, but then we need to guard our roots, Lord. There are enemies who would see us fall. So I pray we're encouraged today, all of us, whatever our age and however long we may be Christians, that we would do so. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much. You may be seated. So what do we need to know about guarding our roots? I want to give just four quick lessons, and, and then after that, just four quick responses. But the, the lessons that I want us to learn today first is that there is one single faith that holds the truth. I mean, there is truth. And there is a faith that holds the truth. Jude tells us 
what we are to guard. He says we are to guard the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. Now, the faith in this context is talking about the body of doctrine, the body of teachings, what the Bible tells us, what he revealed to his prophets, what the Holy Spirit inspired, that which is God-breathed, according to Paul in 2 Timothy, the Word of God. And we have this faith preserved for us in the Bible. Jude says that this faith was handed down to us. It was delivered to us. We have been passing this faith down century after century. And the message has not changed. We have not deviated from the message. It is the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. The faith that Jesus delivered to the apostles is the same faith we have here. And it is recorded for us in Scripture. It is the faith that was once for all delivered to us. That means it's not going to change. It hasn't changed in 2,000 years. It's not going to change in 2,000 years. This faith is not going to disappear. This faith is not going to be added to, and nothing can be taken away from this faith, from this truth. Jude teaches us that the Bible and all that it contains is God's truth, and it's eternal. Just as God does not change, his truth does not change. And this Bible, this truth, this faith is as relevant to us today as it was 2,000 years ago. We need this truth. This is the truth as much as it was 2,000 years ago as it is today. This is truth. It always will be truth. And the reason I'm kind of pounding this into our heads is the day and age that we live in. Because in the day and age we live in, you are being told, we are being told, that truth is questionable. Our truth, truth is being questioned all the time. We are in a day and age where it is taught that truth is relative, that it is fluid, that truth can change, even to the point where, you know what, you can just make your own truth. But that goes against the whole concept of truth. Whatever is reality is truth. And we know and we hold that the Word of God in which we root ourselves, this is truth. It tells us the truth about man's fall into sin. It tells us the truth about Christ's life, about his death, about his resurrection, and the way to salvation. It gives us the truth about the gospel, it is the only body of faith that tells the truth. And so if it's telling the truth, that means it is not false. Anything that contradicts the truth is false. And this world is trying to give you a whole lot of falsehood, trying to pass it off as truth. So imagine, if you will, that, you know, I'm, I got all my notes in this tablet right here. And so someone says, okay, that's an Apple iPad. But another person says, no, that's an Amazon Fire tablet. Another person says, well, no, this is a Samsung Galaxy. It can't be an Apple iPad and a Samsung Galaxy and an Amazon Fire. They're, they all can't be true. The truth is what corresponds with reality. This tablet that I have here, it was made by Apple. It 
runs an Apple operating system. It has all the Apple apps. Guess who made it? Guess what kind of tablet I have? It's an Apple iPad. And anyone who says any different is lying and telling a falsehood. The Bible is truth. And anyone or anything that contradicts the Bible, that means it's false. The Bible is truth. It is historically, historically accurate. It is theologically accurate. It is accurate about life. And here's the thing. All other religions contradict the Bible. And so that means if the Bible is true, they ain't. Which is wonderful English, I know. Don't go back to your English teachers saying, yeah, the preacher used ain't. But there's the thing. If the Bible is true, none of the other faiths can be. So it's important for us to know and live out the fact there is one single faith that holds the truth. It is the Christian faith as given to us by God in his word. We need to know that. Now, the second lesson we need to know today is that there is a call to defend the truth. We are called to defend the truth. So here's Jude writing this little letter. He says in verse 3, well, I was going to write to you, fellow Christians, and I was just going to talk about the faith that we all share in common. We were just going to talk about the faith. But there was so much false teaching going on. There were so many enemies of the faith around him, he completely changed the subject matter of, of the letter. Things were so bad and desperate and urgent in his day, he said, well, I'm going to call you to some spiritual warfare because there is a war going on. Your roots are at stake. Guard your roots. This is the day and age we live in. There is spiritual warfare going on. We need to raise up spiritual arms and prepare for spiritual warfare because truth is at stake. The body of truth is at stake. Our roots are at stake. And so what Jude tells them is to contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. That word contend, it means to wrestle. It means to struggle. It, means, it literally means to fight like a combatant. You're out in the field of war. You're out in the field of battle. And you're fighting, and it's either you or the enemy that's going to survive. You're fighting for yourself. You're fighting for your family. You're fighting for everything you believe in. And so you fight with every ounce of energy that you have to defend what you love, what you have, what you believe in. And this includes the faith. This includes your roots. You struggle and contend for the faith. You struggle for the truth. It's no less important than your own life. You know, just because it's not like a physical fight doesn't mean it's any less of a battle or it's any less important. The only difference is when it comes to the faith, when it comes to our roots, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. We wrestle against powers and principalities and rulers of darkness. And so our battle is in the spiritual realm, and our enemies are from the spiritual realm, and so we fight with spiritual battles. We fight on our knees in prayer. We fight by knowing God's Word, believing it's truth. We settle within ourselves that, you know what, this is truth and nobody else is going to convince me otherwise. The Bible is truth. Because if we don't, we will be cut off at the roots. And not only will we be hurt, but those we love and those who are closest to us will be hurt. 
I mean, imagine if someone breaks into your house planning on doing you harm, planning on doing your family harm, planning on doing your property harm. Would you, and you had the power within you to defend your life, your family, your household. Would you not do everything you could to fight for that, to battle for that? Or would you just kind of stand there and let them beat you up and your family up and, and burn your house down? No, you would, you would fight. So the, the, we need to fight. There's, there's enemies that are going to try and cut us off at the roots. They're trying to undermine your faith. They're trying to undermine the faith of your family. They're trying to prevent other people from coming to Christ. And so Christians, are we just going to sit there and let it happen? Are we going to sit there and twiddle our thumbs or are we going to get up off our pews and go to battle for the sake of the gospel? For the sake of the faith? For the sake of our families? For the sake of truth? For the sake of Christ? Will we get up and defend it? Or are we just going to keep going with the status quo? If you've noticed, the status ain't very quo. Are you going to get up and defend the faith? This is so important. Why is it so important? Well, the third lesson that I want you to know is that there are enemies trying to undermine the truth. Period. Yes, we would love to live in a world and have blinders on and, oh, everything is peachy keen and no one wants to do me any harm and I'm just going to... Let's get in touch with reality. There are real enemies to the truth of the faith. There are real enemies that want to bring you down. There are real enemies that want to cut you off at the roots. It is real. Now, here's the thing, though. The enemies aren't always so obvious. The enemies aren't always obvious. So, you know, in, back in World War II, you know, you knew the enemy because they had a Nazi swastika on their uniform or they had a Japanese flag on their uniform or whatever. You knew who the enemy was. But Jude is saying, here's the problem. The enemies look just like us. The enemies look just like us, meaning they look like they're Christian and they say that they believe in the same faith that we do, but guess what? They don't. So what, what does Jude say there? He says there are certain enemies who have crept in unnoticed. He's saying the word literally means to sneak in under stealth. They, they just snuck in. I mean, the enemies somehow sneak into churches, they sneak into de denominations, and they start spreading their lies. And nobody notices it. They come in and start doing their thing, and everyone, because they, they snuck in. They were sneaky. So it made me think of something that I saw several years ago. So like several years ago, I went, I led mission teams to Japan and would love to get there again. But one day we went to the city of Kyoto and in Kyoto they have all these palaces and they have all these temples and all the, this ancient thing, these ancient things that are centuries upon centuries, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years old. So we went to this one palace that was hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years old. And it was a palace where a shogun lived. Now a shogun is a military leader or a military dictator, really. Okay? Shoguns are not just Japanese restaurants. They were, right? Come on. Let's go to shogun. It, 
man, to, to, to go from being a military dictator to a sushi bar. I mean, man, what, what, how things have changed. But that's what it was. It was a palace of a shogun, the military dictator. And this palace was built with a certain alarm system in place. The floors and the walls and the ceilings were all built so that even the slightest movement would make a very subtle but distinct creaking noise. Do you all know why they had to put that in there? Anyone want to try and guess why they would put... What, what do you think? It, assassination. Who do you think they would send to assassinate the Shogun? And why they were all worried about it? There you go. Check this out. Ninjas. You know, y'all, ninjas aren't just in movies. They actually existed. That's right. They put, they put certain things in the floors, in the walls, and in the ceilings because ninjas would be sent to assassinate the Shogun. The ninjas were so stealthy, they would get through all the other defenses to get into that palace. And so to know when a ninja came, they built this alarm system so the guards would hear that ever-subtle creak, ninja. That's the first thing they thought of. To go out, yeah, everyone's like, that sounds so weird to us today, but that's exactly what it was. Y'all, ninjas and samurais actually existed in history. I hope you do know that. They, ninjas were the stealthy things that you see in movies. They were subtle. They were fleet of foot. They would be able to sneak in anywhere and no one would notice. So they had to make these special alarm systems to let you know when a ninja came in. Okay, this is going to sound like a weird connection, but our enemies are spiritual ninjas. And now that sounds weird. But we have enemies that sneak in. So we have the human enemies that are influenced by the spiritual enemies. And they don't come into churches, and they don't come into denominations like a bull in a china shop. You know? It's not like the enemy is going to come in and announce his intentions. Hello, church. My name's Bob. I'm a false teacher, and I'm here to tell you a bunch of lies. That's not what... False teachers do. What do they do? They sneak in like a ninja. And you don't even know that they're there. And what they do is slowly, over time, they undermine the truth. It's like the water drip that hits a boulder over years and years, and finally the boulder cracks just from the water drip. They start undermining one area of faith. And it starts to crack, and so they start hitting another area of faith, and that starts to crack until the entire foundation is gone. Now Jude says for his day, what they would do is they would sneak into churches and they would twist God, God's morals and ethics. Jude says that they perverted the grace of God into sensuality. So what, what they were probably teaching is, since you are saved by grace through faith, you can go out and live however you want, and it'll be okay with God. Whereas the true gospel says that Christ died for you, you believe in him and are saved, you're given a new heart with new desires and you live in the power of the Holy Spirit so you can live how God wants you to live. 
right? The false teachers, on the other hand, they say, you know, you can have Jesus and you can live, however, in whatever sinful lifestyle you want. Not much has changed in 2,000 years, has it? Not at all. The same stuff is happening today. Here's the danger. They erode one area of faith and truth, and then everything else starts toppling down. They start cutting at one area of your roots, and then it starts straining all the rest. Once they were... Because, I mean, you look at what Jude says about what was happening in his day. Once they were able to pervert the grace of God into sensuality, living however you wanted, then they were able to lead people to deny our only Master and Lord Jesus Christ. So they, they perverted one area of truth, and then faith led them to deny who Jesus was. I mean, for them, Jesus was no longer God the Son. He was just a good prophet. He was a good moral teacher, whatever. I mean, for them, Jesus was not the Son who died and rose again. Jesus was not King of Kings, Lord of Lords. Jesus was your buddy. He was your pal. And he, he was, just wanted you to be happy and live however in the world you wanted. It started in one area, and it affected everything else. And the roots kept rotting and rotting and rotting. As the Casting Crown song says, it is a slow fade. And that's what we have to guard against today. So there's going to be people out there who claim to be Christians. They're going to act like Christians, but they're woods in sheep's clothing. You have to be aware of that. You have to be on guard against that. You have to be on guard against being led astray. So there are enemies out there who are trying to undermine the truth. The truth that is there. The truth in which we are rooted. Fourth lesson. And we need to understand this. There are consequences for those who fight against the truth. Or who deny the truth. Or who, who pervert the truth. There are consequences to those who will not follow or live by truth. There's the false teachers and then there's those who follow the false teachers. And all of them will face consequences. For their falsehoods. Now, for the teachers themselves, Jude says they were long ago designated for condemnation. That's how serious it is to lead people astray. They were already designated for condemnation. If you're a false teacher, you're condemned. It's not that you lost your salvation, you never had it to begin with. That's how serious God takes the body of faith, the truth that He's revealed to us. God will not tolerate with His truth. And if God takes truth that seriously, hey, I think we probably all should as well. But we got to know if we're caught up in that, if we're called up in those false teachings, there's consequences for that as well. You know, in the book of Revelation toward the beginning in chapters 2 and 3, Jesus himself writes some letters to seven, seven different churches. And in the, church, uh, in, in the letter that he sent to the church of Thyatira, he uses very picturesque language to describe what's going to happen to the false teachers and describe what's going to happen to their followers. So he says, it's not on the screen, but he says in, in Revelation 2, verses 20 through 23, I have this against you, that you tolerate that woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophetess, <coughs> excuse me, and is teaching and seducing my servants to practice immorality and to eat food sacrificed to idols. 
I gave her time to repent, to repent, but she refuses to repent of her immorality. Behold, I will throw her into a sickbed, and those who commit adultery with her I will throw into great tribulation unless they repent of her works. And I will strike her children dead, and all the churches will know that I am he who searches mind and heart, and I will give to each of you according to your works. This is Jesus talking. The false teachers say, oh, my Jesus wouldn't hurt a fly. My Jesus just wants everyone to be happy. My Jesus wouldn't bring any sort of consequences on anyone for anything. Yeah, your Jesus wouldn't. Because your Jesus isn't the Jesus of the Bible. This is Jesus. I will throw her onto a sickbed, and those who commit adultery with her I will throw into great tribulation. I will strike her children dead. That's how serious Jesus takes the truth. Jesus don't fool around. And then Jude, in verses 5 through 7, he, he gives these, I mean, the, the examples in history, in, in church history, in Jewish history, of this happening. People who followed falsehood face the consequences. He talks about the Israelites who were brought out of Egypt to go into the promised land, but they didn't trust God or believe he could do it, so they ended up wandering in the, in the wilderness for 40 years, and all the unbelievers died in the wilderness. He uses the example of angels who decided they no longer wanted to be <coughs> under God's command, so they rebelled against God and his truth, and now they're set for judgment. He talks about Sodom and Gomorrah. They wanted to live an immoral lifestyle where they went after unnatural desires. Obviously, we, that, we know what that is. And God destroyed them with fire. And Jude says these are given as examples to everybody else that if you mess with the truth, you will undergo the punishment of eternal fire. This obviously demonstrates that the body of faith that God has revealed to us, this truth that he has given us, he takes very seriously. We need to be rooted in this truth, but we've got to guard our roots so we do not fall. We've got to guard our roots so that we are not cut off from that truth. So I want to quickly close with our response to having been warned here. First, know the truth. I mean, how's the truth going to make any difference in your life if you don't know the truth? How do you know what, you're going to be, what you believe if you don't know the truth? How will you live out the faith if you don't have roots in the truth? So know the truth. Get into God's Word. Know the truth. And then secondly, live the truth. God's Word and, and the faith and, and the truth, they're not things just so you can win Bible trivia. They're not to be treated like a school subject. The truth is known when it is applied and lived out. The man and woman of Psalm 1 are blessed and are firmly planted because they know the truth and they live out the truth. And then third, defend the truth. It is so important to know what we believe, why we believe it, 
and be able to share that with others to, to defend that truth of knowing why we believe what we believe. I mean, why is it truth? And then share that the vast majority of people in this world do not hold to the truth. They live under a lie. We have the truth. We want them living out the truth. We want them to know and live the truth as well. And so we pray that we make an impact in sharing that truth. So let me close with this thought. There was, there was this research that was done by Barna back in the 90s. And so imagine how bad things are now. But at the time, it said that 74% of people in America believed in God. But then at the same time, it said that 65% of them agreed with the statement that there is no such thing as absolute truth. Okay, 74% believe there's a God, but then 65% say there's no absolute truth. I mean, 90 plus percent of those who say they believe in God don't believe there's absolute truth. You can't have that. You can't know God and then deny truth because God is truth. He's the author of truth. There is truth. God is the one who has given it to us. You can know the truth. You can live the truth. Be rooted in the truth. But you have to guard your roots so that you are not moved from the truth. And so today, as we go to a time of invitation, Christian, come and pray at the altar that God would strengthen your roots in the truth and not let you be swayed any otherwise. Church, I want to call you to the altar and pray for these students. Pray that God does wonderful work in their lives and that God would guard their roots. Because, yeah, the enemy is going after old folk like me, but he's especially going after our young folk. And they need to be guarded. I also want you to, I want to invite you to come and pray that God would use this generation here to start a much needed revival in our day and age. But here's the thing, if you're not a Christian, I mean, if you're not a Christian, you don't have any roots. You are without truth. And so I call you to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ who is the way, the truth, and the life. Because no one can come to the Father except through Him. And so come and give your life to Christ. I'm going to be up here, kind of over to my right, your left. and Come talk to me. Give your life to Christ. Give your life to truth. And your life will... Thanks for listening to the podcast of Harvest Baptist Church. For more information, visit us online at harvest-baptist.org or find us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. You can also find info on our children's ministry on Facebook at Harvest Baptist Children's Ministry or on Instagram at KidsQuest underscore HBC. Our student ministries on Facebook at HBC Vertical Student Ministry and on Instagram at VSM underscore HBC. 
we welcome you to join us on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. We are located at 8999 Waltrana Highway in Harvest, Alabama. Thanks for listening, and God bless.